So for the past couple of weeks, we have been in a sermon series that has been eye-opening, it's been helpful, um, and we are going to continue on in it. I just want to welcome you to our time, to our time of learning. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn, well, please grab your Bible. I'm not going to have you turn to any pages yet, but I do want you to be ready for it. So the sermon series that we're in right now is, did God really say that? So kind of add the double question mark in your mind after, did he really say that? Um, We're looking at four cultural, even religious beliefs about God that God actually never said. Things like what we heard from last week, what we heard from Matt, was he spoke about the controversial, controversial belief that above all else, God wants us to be happy. That God desires to bless you. He wants to expand your territory, etc. And while those, some of those statements are true in context, it is not God's primary agenda for us to experience happiness. And that's something that isn't for us to pursue above all else. So that's one of the cultural beliefs that is not true. Um, it's not biblically, historically, theologically. It's just not the case. A congregation member last week told me it's basically like fake news. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a good timely way to refer to this sermon series is, you know, fake news about what God says. Um, next week, part four, we're going to deal with a very po- popular cultural belief uh, that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. The reality is God never said that, and our actions matter a lot. And so we're going to dive into that next week. This week, uh, we're gonna, today, we're going to look at one of the larger misbeliefs about God. Now I have a question for you. Has anyone ever defined life to you like this? You're either about to go into a difficult situation, a difficult situation in your life, you're either in the middle of a difficult situation, or you are coming out of a difficult situation. Now, yes, that's a bit of like an Eeyore perspective on life and on reality. However, that is where we find ourselves. That's some of the questions that come up. So, some of you right now, you're going through a lot. Um, maybe it's financial burdens. Uh, it could be you got a bad report from a doctor. Uh, someone you love is not doing well. It could be relationships that are blowing up or not going well. Your job is not as stable as it once was. It could be you battling with depression. All sorts of different things could be coming up. And then when the weight gets heavier and heavier and heavier, and you might be thinking this, it gets heavier all the time, and then right when you're at the point when you're like, I just can't take this anymore, there's too much, I just can't, some well-meaning Christian comes up with annoying Christian advice um, saying something like, something like this, don't worry, don't worry, whenever God closes a door, he opens a window. And you're sitting there being like, if a window's open, I'd like to throw you out of it right now because that is not what I'm feeling right now. That's not what I'm wanting. How is that helpful? Or you might hear someone else say this, and this is very unbiblical. Remember, remember, God helps those who help themselves. That's never been said. Those are one of those statements that people throw out, meaning well, 
but it's not what God is up to. So today, then you might hear this one. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, because everything's going to be okay. Why? Remember, God won't give you more than you can handle. Have you ever heard that statement before? I have. Have you ever said that statement before? I have. Yep, it just, sometimes it just slides out because it, it feels right, it, something seems right about it. But yet, this tired old phrase that we're going to kind of look at today and unpack at why it's wrong and not true, it actually ends up being a bit of a taunt. There's not actually comfort in it. So did God really say that? No. And we need to embrace the reality that God never said that. Um, in fact, we see it over and over again in Scripture that in many ways the opposite is kind of true, um, that people, God's people are often in way over their heads and they are doing things that they can't handle and it's just too much for them. Take, for example, Gideon. Gideon is this guy where he cries out, he's like, I'm the weakest in my clan and I'm the weakest in my family. God, I don't have what it takes to do what you want me to do. Or Moses, he's like, I'm slow of speech. I'm not very good at these things. See what I did there? I tried to be like Moses. Anyways, um, you know, he's like, I'm not a good leader. I can't do this. It's too much for me. Even Esther, she's like, I'm very, very afraid. And King David, David himself, he's like, when the weight of sin had caught up to him and life is too much, in Psalms, 38, as an example, he cries out, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I can't take it all, he said. I'm exhausted and completely crushed. When we hear those words, when we hear his words, he, and he says this, my groans come from an anguished heart. I don't have what it takes to handle this. Even Jesus Right When we jump to the New Testament, even Jesus, uh, we see in Mark's gospel and in other gospels, he turns and he looks and he speaks to the Father right before he endures the cross. And he says with deep groans and anguish and distress and trouble, and he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. To what? What does he say? To the point of death. As he's sweating drops of blood, he says, Physically, my, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, and I, I can't. This is too much for me. So today, for some of you, you're under pressure. Life right now, how, where you're at, you feel like you don't have what it takes. And you might be thinking, Pastor Trent, this isn't good news at all. Why are you saying these words to me? Well, and at a time like this, particularly at a time like this, why are you saying a sermon that basically is, you can't make it? Now, before you turn channels and go off to something that maybe feels a little bit more encouraging, I want to actually say that this is really good news. First, I'm going to show you what God truly promises, how we've messed it up, and why that's a problem. So that's what I'm going to do first. What God actually promises, how we've messed it up, and why that's a problem. Then, after all of that, I'm going to kind of explain and share why experiencing more than you can handle can actually be really good news, really good news for you, okay? So stay with me. 
Let me just pray really quickly for our time as we get into God's word. Lord Jesus Christ, you are good, you are true, and we need you. I need you. Lord, I desire to communicate your word to your people, but I know that I can't do that in my own strength. I, I, I will mess it up. I'll say it wrong. I'll do it wrong. It won't connect with hearts, but Holy Spirit, I ask that you intervene right now, that you come so that we can hear your word today, that we can hear through your scripture, through your inspiration, and through your divine uh, voice what we need to hear in this moment. Lord, thank you for the time we've already had. Um, may you guide us as we explore scripture and unpack some of these things. Amen. Well, let's jump into it. So, your Bible, if you have it with you, if it's on your phone, wherever it is, grab it and turn to 1 Corinthians 10, 11 to 13. All right? 1 Corinthians 10, 11 to 13. Now, this is likely the verse that people have taken and flipped around and kind of messed with to come out with the statement that God never actually said. So let me read this for you. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall no temptation has overtaken, you ex has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. All right? When you read that passage and when you kind of read it quickly, you might think, uh, Trent, I feel like God might be actually saying what you're saying he didn't say. But we have to actually go a little bit deeper into this text to see what's actually going on. So in this passage, the very first thing that we notice is that uh, Paul is talking about the Israelites and how they messed up big. They kept screwing up. They kept making all of these mistakes. They kept going all over the place. And that was an opportunity that Paul sees to teach us, to show us what worked and what wasn't working where they went wrong. Paul then also warns us to watch out for our arrogance. If you think you've got it figured out, you're in a really dangerous place. To, uh, to stay humble, or things might go really poorly for you. Then he goes on and basically says, your situation's actually not unique. The temptation that you face has been, other people have faced it. This is not new to mankind. There is no new temptation. And then he says that God is faithful, that he will, in fact, be there for you in this situation. God will not let you, and this is the important distinction that is so valuable for us to understand where we as a culture and a society have kind of gone wrong in this statement. We are talking about temptation or testing. Both are the same in the Greek. Temptation and testing that he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There are, these are the things 
temptations and testings, these are the things that come at us in our lives, whether it comes up from our own weaknesses and our own wounds, our own fears, whether it's temptations from the enemy from outside, the forces around us that invite us, draw us, and pull at us, trying to convince us to walk away from what God has called us to do to give up on our character, on our integrity, to allow our spirits to go in a different direction other than walking in the way of God. Paul is talking about those things that led Israel into disobedience and away from God. But we who are in Christ, who have a new life, are freed from sin's power and have available to us the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that actually led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted, and then back out of the wilderness where he had had perfect and total victory over temptation. He did not succumb to sin. When you are tempted, when you are tested, he will provide a way out. That is the promise, that there is no temptation, there is no work of the enemy that can cause you if you walk with the Lord and seek Him to turn away from the Lord into utter ruin or into sin. There is no sin that... So, like, let me put it this way. We have temptation. Temptation leads us to sin, but it doesn't have to. There will always be an opportunity out of temptation. It doesn't have to lead to sin. And that is the promise that we find in the scripture. And I'm going to address that a little bit later on. What I want us to now look at is the problem. What have we done to this? What have we, how have we messed with it? We've taken this passage of scripture that is focused on the freedom Christians have to choose God's way over their own way. And we've flipped it and we've basically said that all trials, all suffering, all hardships that come with living in this world. That's what happens is we've applied those things to this. And here's the problem. It sounds kind of right. It sounds fair, doesn't it? Um, I, I enjoy camping with my family. And we're going camping, and I've got my nieces and my nephews, and we go to get some wood, all right? So first kid comes up, you tell him, you know, stick out your arms, and I put on a, a, a log of wood, and then another, and then another, and their eyes start getting bigger, and they start leaning back and start doing that, like, and I'm like, are you okay? You got this? And I add another one, and then they're like, yep, yep, and then they, like, shuffle off, right? So um, the oldest can carry a little bit more, and I know that, so I don't overload it. The younger, I put on a little bit less. Now, you might be thinking, Trent, if you were an uncle, would you be that uncle that might put on one too many? And then it's like, it's too much. And they're like, I can't do it. And then they're like, I can't. And then they drop it and they get splinters. Sometimes, maybe I might be that guy. But in this circumstance, in this illustration, I am not that person. I am the compassionate uncle that cares for his family. And I would never burden you know, a niece or a nephew with more than they could bear. I would observe their limit and only give them what they can handle. And so then they go off and they're okay. All right? That feels fair. That feels like the right approach to a situation, right? 
their eyes get bigger and bigger, they struggle, and I would never overload them. That would be unfair. Now, in many ways, that's how we think of our relationship with God. We think, God will never give you more than you can handle. It strikes a tone of fairness. And we kind of like that at first. There's something pleasing about the idea that the scales are in balance. You know, that God has assessed our situation, and he knows that we can't handle certain things, so he doesn't give it to us. You know, he might permit trials accordingly. So there's this sense of fairness, like you get what you deserve, or an eye for an eye, or like payback, and like, ha oh, justice, that kind of thing. We love it. But here's the glaring problem with fairness. That in, and it's a problem that undergirds this whole idea Fairness in truth, and this is important, fairness in truth would be terrible for us. Let me explain why it would be terrible. God has never been fair, and thank God for that. God has already been deeply unfair. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. He has been long-suffering, forbearing, gracious and abounding in love. The sun shines on the good and even the not good, the, the just and the unjust. He, in his mercy, chooses to ignore what is fair and instead gives us grace, unmerited favor and kindness. He is already unfair, and I, for one, am so glad that God has not dealt with me fairly, but has dealt with me with his version of compassion and justice, that he has made a way despite what would be fair. And so when we try to wrestle with the idea of God would have to be fair, I say, please, God, never be fair, because I could never withstand that, because I could never justify my behavior and my actions. Lord, thank you for not being fair Thank you for having mercy and grace and compassion. So when God tells me and he permits me to handle certain things, that, that gets all mixed up and that's a human wisdom where we're trying to figure that out. We're trying to make it different than what it is. And here's another problem in the way that we've kind of twisted it up. Uh, and when we twist it this way, it all goes inward. You know, suffering doesn't ask when you're ready. It, you know, it doesn't come slowly and, and knock on the door and be like, hey, can life get hard for you now? It doesn't work that way. It comes with a vengeance. It doesn't ask permission. And it doesn't care about convenience. There's never a good time for your life to be wrecked. Honestly, there's never a right time. There's never a better time. But, the saying, God will never give you more than you can handle, tells me that I have the ability, that, I, that in me there is enough, that I have what it takes. It, ta it tells me I can bear whatever comes my way. It tells me God permits trials according to my ability to endure. Think about how this becomes an actual problem. It puts all the focus inward. It becomes all about what I can do, what I can handle. It makes me think that I'm supposed to handle whatever comes my way. And to not handle it somehow reveals 
that something is wrong with me. And that's what this statement seems to be all about, and that's what's so actually wrong with it. And so when we read the Bible, uh, we follow, and when we follow after what God teaches, uh, we realize that there's something wrong in that. Um, now, I do need to mention that there is something to be said about resiliency and growing in your capacity to handle difficulty that comes your way. I'm not saying that that isn't something for us to focus on, that we, in fact, can become stronger, we can handle what comes our way. However, when we look into Scripture, when we read the Bible, when we follow after it, we see time and time again that it's all about people directing their focus towards God. And so as the psalmist says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Even in those situations, when our strength is failing under crushing burdens, the answer is not within. Do I have the strength? Can I do it? Can I be, work hard enough? No. God is our refuge. God is our source. And if the burden is too heavy, then you need to turn to God's presence. And in fact, that reminds us we turn to God in all burdens, even if you can handle it. And when we look through that lens, when we consider this, then we begin to see the solution to this problem, the twisting of all of this. When we become aware that life will give us more than we can handle, and we come to grips with this, then we find a promise. God is faithful to meet us in the mess and in the pain of it all. And this is good news. Uh, before we go further, um, when we're kind of focusing in on the, on the good news, I want to jump back to the passage about the temptation piece. Um, before we go further, I just wanted to ask you the question, what temptation exists because of the burden that you are currently facing? What temptation exists because of the burden that life has given you at this time? See, there's two separate things going on. There's the challenge, right? There's the burden. There's the thing that's crushing and weighing us down. There's life going and twisting and turning. There's coronavirus hitting you when you didn't expect it. There's all sorts of things happening. That's the burden. But the question is, is what's the temptation that exists behind that? Is the temptation to quit on God? Is the temptation to go after something that you know you shouldn't? Is the temptation to lie, cheat, steal, break your promises, break your covenants, give up, quit, do whatever, do whatever you need to get out of whatever's going on? If you are finding yourself burdened and tempted, God is able to provide a way out of the temptation. I'm not saying that God well, I can't guarantee and I never can guarantee that God will provide a way out of the sickness or out of the challenge, out of the lost job, out of the confusion. But he can find a way. He always provides a way, I should say, out of the temptation. And there's a difference. 
God promises to always give us a way out of temptation. Now, moving beyond that, the good news continues. Because you can even see when you look into the Old Testament, to say the the person of Jonah, all right? We love the story of Jonah. It's all dramatic. It's crazy. It's fun. And And Jonah, in his story, he basically says, God, I am not interested in preaching to Nineveh. He goes his own way. He goes off. All this calamity happens. He finds himself in this terrible situation. He's been thrown over the, into, uh, overboard. He's drowning in this giant fish and the whole story. And then we pick it up in Jonah 2, verse 2 and 7. And he says this, In my distress, in my distress, cries out to God. It was in his distress, not in his mountaintop experience, not when things were going well, not when the sun was shining, but in the valley, in the hurt, in the hard points. It was in his distress that he turned and saw God. That is so critical to the life that we live. And we see this all throughout Jesus's teaching as well. He says words like, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and I am lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. He often speaks of being the physician for the sick, not for the well. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the lost and the hurting. He came for those who cried out. He is the one that we are able to go to in those situations. I'm in over my head. I can't help. I can't help myself. Please come and help. It is story after story of God's people finding God. You know, people finding him in the moment of difficulty when they realized they couldn't handle it. When they admitted it. If we live thinking that we should be able to handle everything that comes our way, which is kind of what that idea suggests that we talked about originally, then it promotes the opposite of the good news. It leads people towards ideas or thoughts like this. Trent, don't ask for help. You've got this. This is your burden to bear. You can handle this because God will never give you more than you can handle, so figure it out. Right? It makes us pull away. It rejects, we reject the help that is being offered. And this is why this is good news in my mind, that there's good news in life giving us more than we can handle, because when we can't handle it, we turn to God, and we discover a God who is present, who cares, who loves us. Maybe you've never turned to that God before. Maybe you've always tried to handle it in your own strength. I would encourage you today Let this day be a different kind of day. Be willing to admit, I can't handle this. God, please come. And in those moments, we discover a God who is present, right in the midst of difficulty, right in the midst of our challenge. You know, for some of you, this is where you might be at. This is what you might be thinking. Life isn't going the way I thought it should. I wish things were happening differently. Why is this happening? God, if you were with me, if you were with me, this wouldn't be the case. And you're lost in it and you're frustrated and doubt is swallowing you up. 
I want to encourage you, don't try harder. Don't fix it. Don't solve the problem that has been proven to you to be unsolvable. Don't white-knuckle it. Go to him as creator of heaven and earth and cry out to him and let him have this burden. The Lord is near to all who call on him. He is near to all who call on him. Psalms 145, 18. Some of you right now, you may be in the presence, in the middle of a storm, you need to call out to him. You need to ask him for help. And in that moment, discover, discover that God is a God who desires to help, who can help, and is present with his people. God never promised that life would be easier. And sometimes life can be downright crushing. And even for myself, when I look back over my 30 or so years of following Jesus with the ups and downs of it all, I can tell you this, that in those moments when life is the valley, that's when I discover God's presence more than any other time. And I would rather live with God in the valley than not have God on the mountaintop. I would rather know his presence in the middle of trial and difficulty than not know him at all and be absent to his truth and his goodness and his ways. With all sincerity, I would rather that. And yes, I'll be honest, do I like the valley? No. Who wants that? That's terrible. But in those moments, God is able to show himself and we are able to connect with the presence of God in ways that when life is going well, we just never can. So when life gives you um, more than you can handle, those are moments where God can intervene with his presence. He can wake us up, he can stir us, he can shake things up so that we can actually get snapped out of our self-reliance and begin again or for the first time to trust and know God. God is powerful, he is compassionate, he is caring, and even in the midst of all of that, um, we have a person like uh, Paul. Paul the Apostle, a man of great faith. And if, and if God were to answer his prayers, that would seem normal. God, we, if, we, if we thought about fairness, the faithfulness of Paul, living his life in utter devotion, you'd think that he would solve Paul's problems, that he would never get more than he could handle. But Paul himself we see this in, in Corinthians. He speaks of this thorn in his flesh, this challenge, this plague in his life. And we don't know what it is, but we knew that it was, it was too much for him and it frustrated him and it got in his way and it was hard. And he prayed, Lord, please take this away from me. He prayed three separate times. And whether it was a literal three or the biblical version of three, meaning like a complete amount of time, that he prayed and pleaded and God never took it away. In fact, what God ends up saying in this situation, let me just turn to it here for us. Uh, he says this. Um, this is in 2 Corinthians. He says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take this away from me, but the Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Let me read that again. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Friends, that might be a word for
from the Lord for you to hear today. God is saying to you, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul, having great wisdom and insight, says this, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me, that I may, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we are experiencing more than we can handle, when it's too much, when it's pushing us down, that is a moment that we can experience the good news that God is a God who can be present and with us. And even when we aren't perfectly delivered from situations, we can know that God is always present. He is always with us. And ultimately, when you actually take on a heavenly perspective, a larger perspective, we know that there is no burden that can actually crush the Spirit. There is nothing that can actually stop or impede us when we are partnered with the Lord in our hearts, in our faith. Uh, second, I'll finish with this. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Friends, we live not just in this life now, but we live with eternity in mind. And there is nothing that can stop God from achieving that purpose, our salvation you know what? At the end of every song, ultimately, is a hallelujah. I was chatting with a friend of mine the other day, and he said, look through the Psalms, the up and down, the trials, the, the difficulties, the frustration. But at the end of all of the Psalms, there's hallelujah. And that's true for our lives. You might be going through something really hard. God can be present with you in that. Let him in. Discover that God is a God who is present even in the midst of trouble. And know that this is a God who promises to provide a way out of all temptation. If you're facing temptation, don't make any more excuses. Give it to God. Ask for help and know that there's a way out. Amen. And isn't that true? And I encourage you, sing your way out. Declare the goodness of God. Praise his name in the midst of all of that. That is the way forward. It's the only way forward. Give him glory and give him praise. And hear these words again that I believe God is speaking to all of us. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Trust in those words, in that promise from our Lord this week. In our weakness, he is strong. Put all your burdens on him and leave them there. This is good news because we can't carry some things on our own. We need him.